Hello and welcome to the Race Dilemma podcast. My name is Drew Hawley and I'm here with my brother and co-host Daniel Sloan. This podcast is really about giving a voice to those people of a mixed heritage, initially within our own family whose racial background is not always obvious due to their pale skin colour and have found themselves to be at the centre of a personal race dilemma and at times having to prove their ethnic credentials in order to be heard. And of course we have broadened the conversation out into the many corners of some of the so-called problems of being from a racially mixed background. And if you feel you may want to contribute or have a story to tell and would like to be featured on an episode, please reach out to us on the Race Dilemma Podcast at gmail.com. And if you really like these episodes, please rate us and leave a review on Apple Podcasts and feel free to share with your family and friends. Today's episode, we have a very special guest. In fact, it's my lovely niece, Florence, who is Daniel's daughter. And the reason why we started this podcast in the first place was on the back of a conversation that you had with your dad, right? Yeah. It wasn't so much of a conversation. It was a message that I got from you. You were a little distressed, a little upset, I could sense, but you wouldn't tell me what it was. It wasn't until I pushed further after having a conversation with your brother uh, you said that you were having a race dilemma. And what was all that about? It was um, off the back of a conversation that I had with my cousin Stuart over social media. Um, he'd recently posted something on social on Instagram about race and it got me thinking about my own race and how in some ways I don't feel, I didn't really understand where I fit in because on the outside I'm white, I look white. But on the inside, I don't feel that way. I feel different. Do people assume that you're you're well? When they when you say white, do they think that you're English white? Is that what you mean? Or is that is that what you're saying? I guess so. Or if I'm not English white, I'm at least my skin color is white, hmm. but not necessarily of Indian heritage or that part of the world. Hmm. South Asian, yeah, oh God. yeah. And what do you feel inside? Do you feel brown inside? I feel completely brown. <laughs> <laughs> I feel more brown on the inside than I do on the outside. I think that goes back to that picture that you made when you were four years old and there was <sighs> Grandma, Granddad, the cat, you and Abel. Yeah. And the only white person in the drawing was Granddad. Granddad, yeah. yeah. The rest, everyone else is brown. And how did that affect you then? Did you feel, how did, I mean, how did that, how does that all leave you feeling? Um... It leaves me feeling unsettled sometimes and that I wish that I was browner on the outside so that people could see it because they make assumptions about you because of your skin colour and they think it's acceptable to say certain things about other people who are brown or other people who are a different race because they assume that you're white and that you're not and yet you think the same as that. Do they use the P word in front of you? Have you heard that? It's from the time of being... In primary school, I've heard that word. Oh, right. Right. And what? And was there any particular time when you were in primary school, was there, can you pinpoint a moment when you were made to feel different or uncomfortable, where you felt racism, where you, you where maybe, maybe, maybe you thought, oh, oh, my daddy's a different colour, my grandma, oh, my grandma's a different colour, what, what did, am I a different colour, what? 
Yeah, I can remember a very, very specific time. And when I think about it now, I can go back and feel all the same feelings as I did when it happened. Um, I must have been about eight or nine and I was having lunch in primary school in the dinner hall. And um, two boys in my class, one of them said, were sitting next to me and one of the boys said, um, a UA and then used the P word. And because I was only eight, I didn't really understand what it meant, but I know the feeling that I had in my stomach. It was like a real physical pain right in the depth of my stomach and I felt like a sickness like I felt sick I felt ashamed I felt embarrassed um and I remember like my face went bright red because I was distressed or embarrassed and I couldn't even finish my lunch and I just remember shutting my lunchbox and leaving the hall and then um I came home I must have come home and asked you about it I don't remember how I worded it or even if I thought about it after, but that was the first time I experienced. I can see, I can see you're actually going back there, aren't you? Yeah. You can see, mm. I can see mm. that, I, obviously people can't see what I'm seeing, but <laughs> I can see you physically going back there and feeling uncomfortable with it. If you didn't know what that was, that P word was, or you may have, but how did they use that word to you to make you feel uncomfortable? You knew it was a bad word? Had you heard it before? Did it, it was because they were making you feel different? They were making you feel lower? Yeah, it made they? me feel different and they were laughing as they were right. asking the question. So I knew it was not a nice word. Offensive. And maybe on some level I had heard it before mm. or was aware, was aware of it, but I guess it was just a sense of feeling different. You must have been more upset than you realise, or maybe maybe you did realise, but what I remember about that day is coming home from work and being in the kitchen. Your mum came in to me and she, she said to me, something's gone on in school today. Florence is really upset. And I remember I was cutting some bread or something. <laughs> I was with the bread, on the breadboard with the bread knife. And when your mum said it to me, when she said Florence has suffered some sort of racism. I remember slamming the knife down really hard onto the, onto the breadboard. Bang! And I, said, and I remember gritting my teeth. We didn't have mobile phones in those. I said, give me that phone. I got on the phone straight away. I got through to the head teacher and had a word with him and told him how sick and disgusted I was that it should be happening in his school and that I wanted to see him about it. I wasn't, I wasn't going to let this go lightly. I wasn't another 30 years later after me experiencing what I experienced in school, allowing my children to go through that, I was not having it. I was not having it. And I did go and see him. And we did find a conclusion. Not a solution, I might add, but there was a conclusion. If you didn't know it, if you didn't remember, but the boy's mother wrote to us, wrote to you through us or wrote to the school, and there was an apology in there. But it wasn't really, it wasn't really enough, really, to be honest. They didn't admit to anything. <clears throat> they just said it was, the apology was on, along the lines of, sorry that my, my son used bad language to your daughter mm -hmm. and I wanted to take it further. So it wasn't like sort of admitting to it fully, it was just kind of like... Oh. Or not admitting that it was racist. Yeah. It was just seen as it being a, a bad word or the equivalent of a swear word, when actually mm. it's more than that. 
Yeah. Mm. And to give us some perspective on like the time period, like when, like when, when was this? Was this like early, was this like mid 90s or late 90s, would you say? Yeah, late 90s. 97 ish. Yeah. 97. Yeah. So, so to, to think that, you know, this is something that's kind of reoccurring throughout the years you've experienced stuff, I've experienced stuff. And I can't, it's generations, really difficult you know? to, to understand. I can only, make an assumption is that the the reason that they thought that they could it's disturbing in men, on many levels that they may have picked something up from their parents that they they felt that they had this this power if you like that that old power stretch, that stretches back generations mm. they felt that they had the power to say it and they knew they had the power to say it they felt at, at the top of the tree they were empowered to say it. and they did say it and they used it against you to make you feel bad and it worked yeah, and I think because I did have that reaction at that young age, I sort of, for years after, I sort of dreaded the conversation of mm-hmm. race coming mm-hmm. up again or every time I heard the P word, mm-hmm. dreading that I'd have to explain myself or mm. challenge people. Mm. I just wanted it to go away. So at that, because you were eight years old, that made you feel so bad that made you feel ashamed. It's not not you, not that you were ashamed, but that, that just made you feel so bad about it all that to have a conversation about race again, you didn't want those old feelings to come up. Yeah. Is that right? Or I didn't want people to find out where my heritage was from. Number yeah. one, because then I'd feel like people would feel guilty for things that they've said mm. before. But then also not feeling strong enough to mm. challenge people. And it was obvious. It's, it was obvious that you didn't feel. No matter what we said at home, you had to go to school and deal with this stuff in school. So no matter what we said to you in, indoors, it just wasn't enough power because there was no one like you, right? Yeah. There was no well, one like you. I might have looked the same on the outside, but I didn't feel. Mm. I always felt a sense mm. of being different. Mm. And tell me how you feel now about your ancestry. I feel really proud and I want to talk about it. Like any, any opportunity that people ask me about, oh, you look, maybe you might look like you've got something in you. I'm mm. bursting to tell them. No. Well, what do you say? <laughs> what do you say? I, like, I want to get photos out of like you guys and <laughs> family and stuff so that they can see it. Like, mm. 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 That's lovely. She's a, a very proud Punjabi, Pakistani, Irish girl. <laughs> I, I particularly want to show pictures of grandma because mm, she was yeah. so dark. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you should feel proud. Yeah. You should feel proud. There's a, there's a huge ancestry there. There's a huge history from that part of the world and we're all proud of it. You know, things changed um, over there politically. Things, grandma was born in India, changed to Pakistan because of the partition. And the reason, the whole reason that we are here is because of that, those political and historical changes, you know? Yeah. Granddad and Nana made, made that decision mm. to come over. So, I mean, let's, so let's, let's take it back a little bit or more like forward um, to the recent time where you, you were texting Stuart and um, tell us, Tell us a bit more about like what, you know, how you were feeling off the back of those conversations that you were having with Stuart. Um, It was a sense of not knowing where my voice fits in 
because I can't attempt to speak about people of colour, I felt like, because on the outside I'm white, but on the inside I don't feel like that. And then I feel like I do have a voice because I'm not fully white. But mm. it was just knowing, I guess it's worrying about what people would think as well. Um, what, like if you were to speak about something or post something or... Yeah. They might say, who's this girl talking about? What does she yeah. know? Yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. that. And that, I've had that feeling of feeling my whiteness more so when I went to university. Mm-hmm. Um, Where did you go to university? Just, list, just tell the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Do we know? <laughs> yeah. I went to Queen Mary University in East London. Mm-hmm. And um, the majority of the people there were Asian or mixed race or black. Um, it wasn't the... It wasn't predominantly white, which is what I've been used to in my school and from where I grew up. Um, which is Beckenham. Beckenham. <laughs> <laughs> We're in Beckenham right now. Yeah. Um, so I felt my whiteness even more because people at university reminded me of my whiteness. They would assume that I was white because I would go to university and in my mind, I looked like those other girls, those Asian <laughs> girls. That's what I looked like. and. Yeah. I would assume that they looked at me in that way, but... And do you have any conversations with anyone and they were just like, hang on a minute, where, where are you from? And then they were ended up being pleasantly surprised or just surprised of your your, your heritage or background. Did you, do you remember any conversations? Um, I remember a conversation with a girl who was talking about um, her religion, which was Islam, and she assumed that because I was white, that I was a Christian and that I didn't know anything about her religion. And she said, where you people have Christianity, we have Islam. And I thought, what does she mean by you people? And then (laughs) I thought, oh, she means, maybe she assumes that I'm white and so I'm ignorant to other people's religions or colours or backgrounds. mm, Interesting, yeah. Um, So it was, I went from being in school, feeling different, feeling brown and then going to university feeling so white and but in my mind I felt more at home with them but they didn't see me as being the same as them at mm, university mm. so it's a weird did they ever did the, did the girls that you were in class in class with in university did they ever find out did they ever what well, find out it's the wrong wrong term but did they ever realize did you ever tell them did you ever have the conversation with them I got a bit stubborn I felt like I shouldn't need to tell people mm. Mm. That's how I felt. Whereas now I'm, I want to tell people. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's been like a mixture of emotions from primary school, secondary school, university to now. But I think once you find out the problem, it seems, and the and the problem was with me as well. Maybe Andrew, I don't know, but and thousands of other people, it's we have to be comfortable with ourselves. Once we feel comfortable with ourselves, we become proud, prouder. Yeah. And we're we're pleased and proud to tell people who we are and where we come from. You know? Yeah. Some people, it, and I think for people who are of mixed heritage, like us, all of us here sitting here, it's, ta- it's been in different stages in our lives because early on in our life we didn't think about it so much. We were just who we were. Mum was this colour, dad was that colour and so on and so on. And it's, it's only until someone points it out. Yeah. You think, you think you're the same as everyone else until someone categorises you depending on what colour you are, mm. put you in a box. 
Yeah, because if you're at home, if you're brought up in an environment where you're not told that you're different, like it's not brought to your attention that you're different, and then someone outside your home tells you you're different, it's mm. really confusing because it's like you you think, why did you not prepare me for, for the fact I'm different? Or why did you not prepare me for the fact that people might challenge me? We, yeah, are you asking me as your father? <laughs> <laughs> Am I asking you? I don't think I'm asking you. I'm just, it's hard to go, to not be made aware that you're different than for someone else to tell you you're different. We know, I think the truth is, if you, the truth is, in my naivety, I never thought it would be an issue. I never thought it would be a problem because you were brought up in a loving home. Um, Our culture was evident, you know, yeah, around it was us. Evident, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. What we said, how we spoke, what we read, what we ate, what our backgrounds. Although it is a is a mixture there. Um, sometimes even how we dressed or some of the things that we had in the home, the the furnishings, if you like, uh, Indian rugs and the like and yeah. whatever. Um, the stools. Yeah. Indian hardwood. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's all that stuff, and yeah. and, I, and I think well, that's. That makes a difference. That's not the same. That wasn't the same as your mates' houses, was it? It was. It was your no. home, and that was a little bit different. So, because me and your mum were proud, we just um, proud of you both, you and Abel. We just assumed that you would absorb that pride, and you'd be okay. That's a little bit naive. We did realise, actually. Well, I realised we we did we did think about moving, we did think about when we moved to the suburbs, if it would affect you in some way, if it would affect us in some way. Um, and obviously it did. It did affect us. We didn't know how much it would affect you kids. We moved from inner London to the suburbs in order to give you a, 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 different ch a, a better chance at schools, housing. That's why we did that. And we did think about race. We did think about it. Yeah, and I guess it's when is the right time to talk to children about it? And I guess you can only really deal with it until you can only deal with it and when something happens. I didn't think it happened when you were eight, though. <laughs> <laughs> At least 15. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. But we got to the bottom of it. We did get a letter of apology. It was never mentioned again, but you carried that experience around with you and you still carry it around. And hopefully you've used it. Not to your advantage, but to make you a better and stronger person. And now there's no problem with, well, you don't have a dilemma, do you? As, no. As who you are, where you come from, where your background is, and where we are proud of you, all of us are proud of you and what you've done, mm -hmm. how you carry yourself. And, uh, yeah, I think you should whip out the photographs of your dark skin. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny, like, you know, like we were speaking before, um, there, there, there does come a point where you're like, you know what, I am really proud of my heritage, you know, but I think there's a, there's kind of like a, a, a well, certainly for me, there was a process to get there because it wasn't yeah. always, oh, I'm really proud of who I am and I'm only seven or eight, you know, like you're still working things out, aren't you? And people call you names and hurtful things and racist remarks as we've all had, um, and then um, somehow it just, you know, something changes and we become proud of who we are and our background and our family and, you know. And I found with me, on a personal level, with me, because people started 
thinking I was something, but I clearly felt I was not, I, you end up going down the path that you didn't think you were going to go down. All of a sudden you become more <laughs> Asian, if you like. You start reading, you start taking more of an interest in the history, you start reading more stuff, you start looking at the diverse the diversity of it all. We were in India. Um, we, me and my mate Terry, we went to India to see your auntie, your auntie Louisa, right in the, she's in Kanpur. One of her daughters there, your auntie Myrtle was there. She said to me, and I, and I, I never thought she would say it to me, but we were having dinner in her home. She said to me, and I was really surprised, she said to me, how much of your Indianness do you feel being here? And I looked, I was really taken aback. I said, Arnsey, that's such an interesting question. Why should I said, it's really strange that you asked me that because in a sense, I'm, I'm sitting around this dinner table with people that look like me. I feel like I've just come home. I've just been away messing around for the last seven years. You know, I've been amongst people who look like me. There's, and it's wonderful. And I felt totally at ease and comfortable. <laughs> I mean, but then, <laughs> but at some point over there, I got a little bit indignant about them not queuing and that sort of thing. And I think, well, in Britain, you know, we queue. <laughs> <laughs> the Britishness comes out, doesn't it? <laughs> you know, all of a sudden the, the clipped English accent starts coming out. So, hey, excuse me, <laughs> we queue where I'm from. You know, <laughs> you know so it's a bit true. Of, we do, you know, because yeah. <laughs> we're British. Yeah, you know? and you find yourself feeling more British when you're when you when, you, when you're abroad, especially in a place like India. But I thought that was interesting that your auntie should say that to me, and I loved her for it. Yeah. You know, she was the same age, she is the same age as your grandma, actually, your auntie Myrtle, who's just had a birthday. I think she was 82 or something. <laughs> yeah. But I, I do feel like you have to grow up and mature and also be able to get around the language to challenge people. You have to be able to know how to challenge people if they're... If that experience happened to me now... I would know what to say or I'd know mm. how to deal with it. But at eight, you don't have the words to no. challenge someone. You can't think and you So you feet. can't be, yeah. you become prouder when you become more confident and you understand where you've come from. I, I want to say about that P word as well. That P word. If you say the word, the sound of the word is offensive. The worst swear words that you can say in the English language have that same sound, that, that K sound. Yeah. If you put the worst swear words together and you put the P word in amongst them, it would fit very well. And that's why it's so cutting at times. It does actually cut like a knife. It's hurtful. It goes to your very core. I can't even say the word. Even no, no. In, I amongst mm. friends or anything, I can't even use it in passing, even if I'm repeating what someone else has mm. said. Mm. Oh, it's horrible. It's a horrible word. And uh, yeah. Many have been offended by it, many, many have been. And we use it as, well, we only used it a couple of times in this podcast for the purpose of explanation. Yeah. I think maybe after after hearing this podcast, certainly after the uh, first episode, your brother may have something to say. He said he's interesting, he wants to be a guest. <laughs> now he, and this is an intro to the next episode, <laughs> he looks a little different to you. He's got, he's your features a little bit rounder. I would say they were more Asian, if you like. You're more like your grandma. He, his features are a little bit sharper, but he's got slightly more olive skin. 
He's got brown hair. He's got curly hair, in fact. Yeah, and brown eyes, and he's clearly identified as not being white. Well, people people see him. People as not being see white. him as not yeah. being white. Yeah. yeah. Plus his name as well. Yeah. Abel. That sort of conjures up images of. Um, That's a biblical name, isn't it? It's exoticness. So hopefully, we'll, he, he may have a story or two to tell us. At least his experiences, what he's felt. It'll also be interesting to get Stuart on board because he's got an interest. His parents, your mum's, your grandma's cousins, cousin, his dad's grandma's cousin, his parents have a history of well as well. So it'd be interesting to get his take on things. But we'll leave that for we'll leave the for, for another yeah. for another episode. So um, Florence, thank you for coming in. It's been a pleasure to have you here in our little office here recording the <laughs> podcast. Uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for sharing. Lots of love. Thanks for having me. All right. Yeah. We're done. Good. Good stuff. <laughs> thanks for joining us on today's episode. If you've liked what you've heard, please subscribe on your favourite directory. And if you've liked it even more, then please rate us and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Again, if you would like to be featured on the Race Dilemma podcast, please reach out to us on the race dilemma podcast at gmail.com that's it from us and we'll see you on the next episode